Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back, everybody, to the Living the Dream podcast. Matt Scaletti here with a special guest. This is my good friend, even though I questioned if I could pronounce his last name, Tom Baki. Did I say it right? That's correct. Oh, yeah, perfect. Listen to this bio. This is going to be pretty awesome. I can't wait to share this. In middle school, Tom started selling Jolly Ranchers to his classmates, then developed to flipping things and hustling his way to more expensive items. He has been known to go running and come back with a lawn chair to flip for $40. He was in construction by trade, but now owns house rentals and flips properties. In the last year, NFTs have been his newest obsession, and hopefully we'll have time to get into that. He has been on an educational and self-development journey in the last seven years, just after an almost foreclosure on his house. Tom has completed ultras endurance events and adventures that challenge him to be uncomfortable tom welcome to the podcast my friend thanks for having me matt i can't wait we, we had a nice chat before we started recording and uh, i'm going to make tom restate a lot of what he said because it was pretty in-depth and amazing so why don't we just kick it off with i, I mean i'm dying to know some stories about the flipping lifestyle that we chatted about in your bio what, like, tell us, how did that start? Like, how did you figure out that you could sell Jolly Ranchers? I'm assuming it was in school. And like, just give us a little bit of the lowdown on how your entrepreneurial journey started. I don't know where the exact moment started, but I remember going to like a Sam's Club or a BJ with my mom and she would buy a bag of a million whatever Jolly Ranchers and I would go to the school the next day. and. And just hustle them out, you know, as the day got on and I got down to less, the price would go up. And that's where it all started. I did that for a while. And I think I got away from it for, for a long time. I'm sure I had some mixed in there, but that was my earliest memory. And then later on, it turned to other things. And my unique, what we talked about earlier was going out for runs or walks, finding things on the side of the road, trash day, turn around selling for $20 during that foreclosure time as well. I literally sold most things in my house. I would find items for trash or things people were giving away for free. And, you know, $5 here, $20, $30 added up to thousands, surprisingly. No, I'm so glad that you, you brought that up because, I mean, as I'm sure a lot of you have realized, I mean, in my eyes, Tom is an extremely successful guy at this stage you've been through a lot and can you tell us i know you mentioned the house foreclosure and i've been friends with tom for a few years now and i did not know this story so can you share what happened and how the heck you got to that point and then how you overcame that obstacle yes yeah, so from age 20 to 30 was for the better words was a blur 
I met my wife when I was 32 and we were talking and she's like, I just don't understand you telling me all these stories, but you're not really including anything from these years. And I said, well, I didn't really do anything. It was basically a big party for that time, which kind of led me towards the foreclosure. And I had a, a sheriff show up to my door. I had roommates at the time and and I lied to them and I, I was just embarrassed. I didn't know what to say. And he was telling my, my house was going to be foreclosed on. And I went to sleep that night and I just didn't know what to do. I kind of envisioned like, where was I going to go? How would I tell my family, my friends and just embarrassment? And what came to it is I kept it all in. I didn't tell anybody. And it just a huge fire got lit up and I was ready to go. I didn't know what I was going to do, but, you know, it started with the house. You know, I read Dave Ramsey and some of these other people. And I literally started selling everything, finding everything I could, selling it and just working, working like crazy. This is just fascinating to me. Do you remember, was there a moment and, and maybe it was the night that the sheriff came, but like, it seems to me like you could have done two different things. You could have said, well, let's just let it get foreclosed on and then I'll figure it out. Or you could have done what you did, which is like lit the fire inside of you. Like, do you remember how you chose the light the fire versus like just giving up? I think I was so embarrassed. That's what kept on running through my mind. I lived in the house for 12 years. And how would I tell my mom? How would I tell my dad? What would my friends think? And I couldn't get past that. During that time, I had other friends going through this situation because of the same stupid reasons. And they were choosing the other way. And I couldn't live with that. I had to find a way out. We often talk about how you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And it sounds like you were around some people that did sort of quit. And thank God you decided to go the other direction with it. But like, so you mentioned reading. Is that like, would you give a lot of the credit to reading? Like, how did you learn to, oh, I can sell things in the house. Like, there's ways I can make money. Like, what was the turnaround? like? Yeah, so I was so broke, I couldn't afford anything. So I went first to a friend, gave me a book because his dad gave it to him and he didn't care about it. So somehow it ended up my house. It was The Wealthy Barber. That was like the first book I read. It was free. It was in my house and I just dissolved it. I hadn't read a book in probably 15 years. So I went through that. I don't know how I found Dave Ramsey, but I became obsessed with him. I listened to him every day. And when his show was over, I listened to repeats and it was just ingrained in my head. I knew that's what was going to happen. I cut everything down to bare bones. He talks about rice and beans. I don't do beans. So I went straight rice and rice and hot sauce. I went cheap and, and it was on. I just, it was, it wasn't a matter of if it was a matter of when I knew it was going to happen. I don't know how, I had no way, but it was going to happen. This is incredible to me. Like, how do you go? And we were joking earlier about that Tom has eaten his fair share of humble pie. But I mean, you, you seem like you were, like you said, bare bones and humble enough to realize you had to make these changes in order to be successful. Like you kept hiding it from everybody, the financial struggles. And like, how did you stay disciplined to not say, wow, it's Friday night, like I'm going out and I'm drinking and eating expensive food. Like, how did you stay so disciplined for a long period of time? 
it took me about four months to save up that first 10,000 and I had nothing. Oh. It was actually easier than you would think. I, it wasn't even an option for me. I worked like a madman. And when I found time, I would still go hang out with my friends, but I would ride my bike there and I would just hang out, you know, and there was times there that they would go eat or do things like that. And I just, I just made it happen or I would be present if I could. And if I couldn't, that was okay. All the other time I spent reading. So I wasn't working, spending a little time with my friends, I was reading. Oh, you were grinding big time. And as our friend Tony Robbins says, I think the quote is decisions shape destiny. And you clearly made the decision of, I'm not going back to the way things were. And that's a, four months. That's amazing to turn around $0 into saving 10000 What do you say? Do you have any advice for anybody if they're listening or watching this right now who is struggling financially and maybe they're, you know, for whatever reason, they're just having a tough time. Do you think a lot of people, and I know we're sort of speculating, but do you think there's a lot of people that have things in their home or apartment that is of value that they could potentially sell to help them through a tough time? There's really endless, you know, there's some things I let go that I liked, but it comes down to why. And there's a lot of stuff in your house that just needs to go. It's freeing to let the stuff go. And you, like I said, you have that why. For me, the biggest help was I had a piece of paper and I would sell something and I would write next to it. I would write down chair and I would put $25. And then I would put the next item and I put $15. Next item, $5. And I kept on tallying and I'd watch the number grow and I stacked the cash. I was so involved in it actually had all the money in my house every night i would just make sure i was right on the number and i would keep on watching the pile grow 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 like i said i was i was obsessed i love that word like i used to think that word was like oh obsessed it's such a negative connotation to it but aren't the best of anything obsessed like michael jordan's lebron james athletes inventors entrepreneurs like they're obsessed right and it just seems like there can be healthy obsessions and clearly what you've been obsessed with has benefited you in the last seven to 10 years. And actually that was a great transition into the thing that you're obsessed with right now, which I'm excited to talk about, by the way. Uh, so everybody knows I badgered Tom quite often with NFTs because he knows a lot more than me and uh, he's my go-to guy. And I think he gives me an eye roll every now and then when I send him a text because I'm so naive with my understanding of it. But do you, do you want to... And I know we could go anywhere with NFTs because you have such great knowledge of it. But can, can you just... NFT 101, can you tell some people like what it is and how you got involved and what where you think that may go in the next 3, 5, 10 years? Sure. Yeah. So there's a guy that I love watching, Gary V. I've been a fan of his for years. My wife introduced me to him and he's a teacher. He, and I can appreciate his style. So he started putting out content about he was going to put out an NFT project, but like a lot of other people, they just put it out there and they just sell it. Well, I'll back up a little bit. An NFT project to most people, it looks like a picture, which it basically is a digital picture online. but 
where it's not a picture, it has the blockchain. It allows you to have proof that it's yours. It's no different than a lady going buying a Chanel bag and you know that's what she likes or whether she likes to collect it for herself or she enjoys it or she wants to flaunt it. It's the same thing, but in the digital world. Where I think it's going to get big is to have a whole closet full of shoes or backpacks or purses. That stuff takes places. What if you have a fire or water damage? I mean, that stuff's ruined. With the digital world, it's online. It's there forever. And it's always can be proved that it's sure. So th- there's going to be a lot that transitions in that place. But I, I learned everything through Gary. He put out a lot of content of all the steps about getting a digital wallet, about buying cryptocurrency, and about buying projects. And I've spent thousands of hours over the last really year. I've gone all in and really learned a lot about it. I think that is so cool. And uh, Tom has been teaching me a lot over the last year as well. And for those that don't know, Tom is talking about Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a uh, he owns Vayner Media. I think he still does, and just big time entrepreneur. So, what what would you tell somebody? Which, if my parents watch this episode, they're gonna laugh. I feel like the pushback for maybe it's the the that generation is well, wait a minute. There's nothing physical. Like I just get a picture on a screen. Like I don't get it. Like how, how do you explain it to somebody that's like art, for example? They're used to physically seeing the piece of art, holding it, looking at it. And now it's it's all on the computer. Like, what what do you say to somebody who's like, it doesn't make sense, or it's a fad, or like, do you have any comeback to that? I'm not the best with this, but I'll use some of his lines. You know, they also said the internet was a fad. I think it'll be proven over the years that it won't. It's already changed a lot. There's digital real estate. It, it's really endless of where it's going. People our age, they're not into the yadros and the little glass figurines, you know, when our, when our parents' generations die, we're not going to fight over that stuff. We don't want that stuff. You know, you might have one thing that really reminds you of your, your mom or your dad, but that's it. We've moved on. We're on to things. People spend how many hours a day on their phone? That's where it's going. It's going digital. And that's the where it's going to be. Well, I, I'm with you. I agree. And I think, I think one of the things that I respect about you is you're not afraid to dive in on something new and something that not a ton of people know about. And, you know, the only constant is change. And it just seems like you continuously change and adapt to whatever's going on in the world. And it's, it's impressive. Well, actually, now that we're talking about NFTs and everything, can you tell everybody, I normally wait to the end, but I feel like this makes sense. Can you tell everybody where to go to, if they want to follow you or check you out on Instagram or social media? What's the best place if somebody wants to get in touch or connect with you? Yeah, it's Tom underscore Bakke, B-A-C-C-H-I. Was, that's where my the best place to reach me at would be there. My profile picture is one of my NFTs. It's a mole with a pink background. I love that, even though uh, I don't fully understand all of it yet, but uh, you're helping me out day by day. So so we got that you're you're clearly an entrepreneur. You've been in the flip game for a while. You know your stuff about NFTs. He's also an endurance athlete. This is one of the toughest interviews because this guy can talk about so many different things. And I'm like, well, I wonder if we can just sort of 
touch on a bunch of different subjects. So tell everybody about some of your endurance events. You know, you can pick one or pick two, pick three, whatever. And I guess, how, how did you get into endurance racing? And what's been your favorite event so far? I like this part of it. I, I found this guy, Jesse Itzler, a few years ago. I went to an event he called Camp BYLR. He had this thing. He stated it was going to be a four-hour event. He wasn't going to tell you what it was going to be. So long story short, you show up there. He tells you what it is. It's running, walking, whatever you decide to do. And then mix in was push-ups, sit-ups, crunches, squats for four hours. He says, I don't care if you walk, crawl, just stay moving for four hours. I'm not a runner or I, before that I never was. And I got there and I just went. And then I think I ended up placing in like the top 10, which wasn't a big thing. It was no like prize. But for me, I looked at it and said, well, what am I not doing? I saw the untapped potential. And that's what really opened my eyes. After that, I was like, okay, what's next? What do I else I need to do? That's what got me into it. I don't think I knew this with that camp BYLR. So for those that don't know, that stands for Build Your Life Resume. And that is, for those that know me, I'm a big Jesse Hester fan as well. But I think you made a great point when you said you didn't really know what you were getting into. And, and I often think about like, why I do certain fitness events. And that seems to be an important theme. Like you're almost embracing the unknown for four hours. And I was going to ask you, do you think there's similarities between doing a fitness event where it's unknown for four hours and overcoming setbacks in business or life, et cetera? Like, do you think there's, there's an overlap there? A hundred percent. Everything's unknown. Realist. I mean, there's nothing guaranteed you can have your whole day planned out, but it's never going to follow through. And, you know, I think that's what we live by. My wife and I, we're, we're really big. It's just, you just have to adjust. You don't know what's going to happen and just go with it. There's no point in learning, ruin your day, just shift and figure it out. How do you, how do you not worry? Cause you seem like, and I'm sure for those of you that are listening or watching, you can tell, Tom's demeanor is very calming, and I'm pretty sure he could not get rattled, no matter if there was a, a bear standing in front of him. <laughs> but like, you seem like you have very little worry, which is one of the things I respect about you, too. How do you manage worry or just live your life without a ton of worry? Because it seems like now, maybe even more than ever, there's worry all over the place. So like, how do you manage that? I think just being grateful, it sounds cliche i guess might be the word i don't know but it's going back to foreclosure and some of the hardships and you know my parents are living i have a house we can feed each other it's really besides that i mean terrible things happen we've had a crazy 18 months of rental properties and we've had some disasters but it doesn't matter you know it's been my best year ever and my least stressful year ever with all these crazy things. I mean, we had an arson, but you just move on. It doesn't really matter. And you, you're, you seem like you're very good at letting things go too, versus like you, maybe you have a rental problem, a big issue. And instead of living there and constantly saying, Oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't, you let things go very well. Is that a skill or is that just, you were born 
with that, just being able to let things go that go wrong? Might be too much, but <laughs> I've grown into it. And I think my business coach, I learned probably one of the most impactful lines from John Maxwell. And it forever changed me. He said, there's no two good days in business. And before that, I was going from fire to fire in my construction company every day, employees not showing up, screwing up. And then once I realized like you have one good day, the next day is going to be bad. Just realize that and move on. You have a bad day. We might have one more bad day, but the next day is probably going to be good. But it's every day. It's you have 50-50 chance of it being good or bad. That's a good point. It was so, recency bias where like we think about the most recent things and it feels like that's going to be the emotion that lasts forever, whether that's if somebody's going through a tough time. I mean, I know I've been there. You almost think like this is going to suck for the rest of my life, but that's that's not necessarily the case. It's what you focus on. You know, the Tony Robbins, where your focus go, your energy flows. It couldn't be more true. Yeah, I totally agree. I, and I love that. I wrote this down. I wrote down gratitude kills worry. I, I feel like that's sort of what you were saying. That's a great quote. I think that might be the title of this episode. Gratitude kills worry. Tom Bakke. Uh, wait a minute. I got to ask you because I think Tom, one of the things I admire about him too is like you seem like you could make friends with anybody. And I, I just think it's the coolest thing. And he's so good at adding value to other people. And just, from what I've seen, just extremely selfless individual. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about the event you just did, some of what you just went through and what you learned from it? Yeah, so I'm, I'm in this group and part of the group, we got to choose a, an adventure, Masogi challenge, whatever you want to call it. It's part of Jesse Itzler's group. And it was in Wisconsin. You chose which was even better because knowing that the 25 other people at this event chose to basically get tortured for a whole weekend <laughs> made you appreciate and really value and respect the people that were there so we showed up to wisconsin knowing it was going to get down to negative 20 degrees we were going to be sleeping outside cold plunging and that's all we knew and they gave us a huge packing list. We showed up and they they set up tents basically on this frozen lake. The lake was two plus feet deep of ice. <laughs> and you camped out there with four or five other people in the tent. You had a, a little stove in there to keep you warm, which it did not. <laughs> it was an unbelievable experience. The people there were some of the most inspiring people I've ever met my life. Really good. I love it. And just so everybody knows, when I called Tom to set up this podcast, he was driving in Ohio to like a random pond when it was like 12 degrees out to jump in with him and his wife. And that's the kind of things this guy does. This because I'm so curious, we kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago, but the cold water idea, like, can you share with people like what some of the benefits are. And I know you need to be careful when you're doing stuff like that, because if you're in there too long, then that's scary. But like for somebody that goes, why would you ever do that? What's the reason you do that stuff? I'm not going to be able to pinpoint, but there's a lot of health reasons. I think circulation, inflammation, I think it kills off a lot of bad mitochondria. It attacks and 
tons of health benefits. And then on the other side, talk about mental strength to jump in 32 degree water and it being, you know, below freezing outside, it's a different level. And to stay in there, you know, your first step is to calm your breathing and to become relaxed, which the first time is the hardest. As you do it more, you get better and better at it and try to become in a peaceful state and just be there and, and just embrace the cold, which is strange, but you'll understand it once you do it. That makes a ton of sense to me. And I often think about, okay, so you, you jump in cold water, like how does that help you? And clearly that's a physically challenging mental challenge out the wazoo. Like, does that also map over to, does that map over to you have a tough day for whatever reason, and you can use the skill of the cold water to calm yourself down whenever it's just a bad day? A hundred percent. And one step further with that, leading up to it, myself and a lot of other people in the group, it was on our mind knowing this was going to happen. It consumed our mind thinking, crap, this is going to happen. At some point, this is going to happen. And then after the takeaway is basically we wasted that time. I wasted that brain energy worrying about something that wasn't that big a deal. It's not going to kill you. It can if you're not smart about it. But basically, it's wasted energy, wasted thoughts on something that you can easily overcome. So it's just making yourself stronger in a lot of ways. I, I think that's amazing. What do you say to somebody who's like, I'm sure there's people listening to this who, who maybe they've wanted to go to, you know, Tony Robbins event or sign up for a 10K and they haven't done it. Like, you seem very good at embracing being uncomfortable. And, and maybe some people listening haven't done anything that's taken them out of their comfort zone for the last five years. Like, do you have any advice or thoughts for those people on how they can sort of get over the hump and start finding ways to embrace the discomfort? Sign up and then figure out the way. Because once you commit, you're there and then just do it. You know, it's not easy. I still struggle with it. I had to speak at a funeral this weekend. And I was asked to do it. And when I was asked, in my mind, I said, this is no way. But I said, yes. Verbally, I said, yes. Internally, I said, no. <laughs> this is the first podcast I've ever done. I'm not the type of person, I'm, I'm, which I don't like using those words. I'm getting better at speaking engagements. So say yes and figure it out after. I think that's so good. I think that's probably my favorite thing you've said so far is just, I'm all for that. Like, just sign up and then you figure out a way to make it happen. And we're not saying if you've never run in your life to sign up for a marathon next week, make sure you're smart about it. But I'm with you, like sign up and then, and then, and you seem like you've done a great job of getting help from others that are maybe playing the game at a higher level than you. What about like, mentorship and coaching, like how has that helped you get to where you're at today? It's the most important part. You know, like I said, for me, when I was broke and had nothing, books, books are mentors, you know, podcasts are mentors. It doesn't have to be a physical person or a coach. There are cheaper coaching programs where you're in groups, you know, where you may not have one-on-one -on -one interaction, but 
there's so many opportunities. But what I would say is, as you grow, as you have the financial ways to do it, keep stepping your game up, spend more, spend more than you feel comfortable spending. I've spent multiple times in my life money that I was like, holy cow, like, I can't believe I said yes to that, but it'll pay back more than you can imagine. I'm pretty sure it was Warren Buffett says investing in yourself is the best investment you ever make. And I agree with everything you just said. Yeah, that's and and you're so right on like books. It can be that simple where like if you want to have a cup of coffee with George Washington, you could buy his book, one of his books. And it's basically you're learning a lot about the guy. Like it's I agree 100 percent. It doesn't even have to be somebody living. You read the book, and uh, it took me 34 years to realize that reading could help me out. So we both struggled in that capacity for for a while. I feel like books and coaching is like cheating, but it's okay. (laughs) You're taking somebody's lessons that may have taken them 10, 15, 30 years, and it's compressed into a book or into an hour podcast. Just cheat. You know I mean? It's free or... It's not that much. That is absolutely the truth. And it is it is good cheating versus me in ninth grade math class looking over at Steve's paper trying to get a couple extra points. By the way, we've also had a first on the podcast. If this is the first time the word mitochondria has been used in uh, like 180 episodes. So let's give it up for Tom on that front. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, we we learned a ton about you. I think there's going to have to be a volume two of this because there's just so many different directions we can go. And I just want to say I appreciate your time. We at the end of every episode we do this final three questions, and I've switched this up because I want to make sure if anybody watches previous episodes, they don't get a chance to like. We're just going to throw this out at you, and we'll see what happens. So, are you ready for the final three? I'm ready. Let's rock it. There we go. All right. We've talked about gratitude throughout this episode. What are you most grateful for in your life? And it could be any area of your life. My family. That was a wise answer, especially if his wife, Lindsay, is listening to his episode. Well done, Tom. Good answer. We would have edited that out and put Lindsay's name in and had you not said that. Thanks for the edit. All right. We've talked about some obstacles you've overcome in your life. What's the biggest obstacle you have overcome? Or you could say an obstacle that you're currently working on overcoming, if you'd like. Speaking, really. Speaking, communication. I'm a good communicator in some areas, but it's probably the area I need to work on the most. And I'm becoming aware that you can be really good at one skill, but also be really bad at it. This is very uncomfortable for me, but I'm getting better at it. And I thank you for that. You better believe you are. As soon as Tom said that he had a little bit of nervous to be on the podcast, I said, all right, you're in, we're doing it. Let's make it happen. And by the way, everybody listening is going, this guy's not nervous at all. I don't know what he's thinking, but uh, apparently you are. You play it off very well. So kudos to you. All right. Last question is, what is Tom's perfect day? You don't have to say everything that would happen, but what, what are some things, if tomorrow was the, your perfect day, what are some things that would be going on throughout the course of the day? That's hard. I know. This is my favorite question because I think it's 
I think it is hard. I think it is very hard. You're at the end. This is your final test. And you cannot say studying NFTs for 17 hours. You have to come up with an answer. That's probably number two. But (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think doing some type of event or challenge that's extremely hard with my wife. Saying it, I'm like flashbacking through multiple that we've done together. Like, it doesn't really get any better than that. I love it. Well, now I have to ask the follow-up question of, do you have any plans, you and your wife, to do any sort of event like that in the next year? Not a challenging one. I think one will come up, but we don't have one in the books yet. That's what I was just going to say. I know you're going to have something in the works, and I'm sure you've already been thinking about something. So you better let me know off the air, whatever that crazy thing is. I will. As soon as I find out, I'll let you know. (laughs) Please do. Hey, thanks a lot, my friend. This has been a a great friend of mine for, as I said, a few years now. He is the man. I appreciate you overcoming the nerves, even though I still call BS on that front. And uh, you are an inspiring, awesome individual. And thanks for joining, man. Thank you so much, Matt. Hey, just hit us again with how to contact you via Instagram. Where, Where does everybody go? Tom underscore Baki, B-A-C-C-H-I. Sweet. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. And we will see you all next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, I am watching you. (laughs) Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker at Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks and I love you so much. Oh,